Welcome to the Music Matters Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. Uh, today we have got our guest, Noir Et Blanc V. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Hey, yeah, thank you guys for uh, having me. Appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Cool, man. So I'm going to start off with where did it all begin, your music journey? What, when and who encouraged you, got you into it? What sort of influences got you into the, your music journey? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so I would say, I mean, it kind of comes from like a dark place, but uh, my mother was a pianist, a classical pianist, um, and I played flute uh, mm. classically when I was in grade school. And then my parents, you know, they kind of were going through like a divorce or whatnot when I was in mid-high school. And uh, so I decided to like pick up the piano uh, because I, you know, I don't know, I needed something that could make music in the flute real lame at that point. So, um, yeah, I, I just started playing on my mom's like radio shack, uh, synthesizer. I don't even know why she had it. And, um, <laughs> it was just shack. some, wow. it was like some dusty old garage keyboard. It was called like the realistic. It was the most unrealistic sounding, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of those, I really actually want to find it just, just to like make a video one day about it. But yeah, sure. it, it started then. Um, and, I guess here we are. I mean, I guess I consider myself a video and a music person at this point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so yeah, started then. And was there any artists that you kind of listened to back then that really kind of, you know, got you to go down that journey? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I honestly was very influenced by Pharrell Williams. Uh, I used to like wear his, his trucker hat backwards i used to love to wear his uh just that style of hat and uh i felt growing up where i grew up which was in huntington beach california um you know i, I was like the only like black guy where i grew up right so he had this interesting style and it kind of fit my i don't know where i was coming from so um i actually when i first started making music and i, I don't know this is the worst thing ever i uh I made a rap album, right? And I sent it to Star Trek Records, like in Virginia. I, I, I like packaged it up. I like, you know, put all my stuff in it and I like sent it out. Obviously it was God awful. So uh, yeah, I never heard back about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't that bad. Hey. That's cool, man, yeah. <laughs> so obviously you you touch base there on the video side of things so you got your youtube page and uh obviously it looks pretty successful i've watched a few videos uh so moving on from the music and what motivated you with that what kind of motivated you to start doing the videos you know oh honestly um i i just watched i, I didn't even watch youtube until like 2015 like i had seen like cat videos or like a you know, the super viral things. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I kind of, I, I always thought it was the same as like E-bombs world or whatever, where you just, you watch random videos of stuff. Um, and then something, I don't even know what happened. I, I found this video, uh, from the angry video game nerd. And I don't even remember what like video it was, but I just watched it and I was like, Oh, this mother freaking guy, 
made a real video. Like he made a real like freaking thing. And I and I realized even at that point, he had like a hundred something, he had done it like a hundred plus time. And it blew my mind that somebody would put that much time and effort into into something like upon a platform. And I was like, man, I don't even watch this. This is like, I don't even watch YouTube. Man, nobody watch YouTube. And right at that point, I was like, you know, I, I had been very big into collecting synthesizers. And I thought, hey, he's big into collecting games. I feel this sort of similar, uh, I guess you could say like. Thought process. Uh, in, yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay, I can do this because, you know, you know, something kind of comes out of you differently when you're when you're looking at games and since you're, you're looking at it in a different way than maybe someone just like playing it when you're collecting like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was all, it was like literally watching angry video game nerd and being like, Oh my gosh, like I had edited music videos and stuff before. And I was like, I, I could, I think I could do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll be honest. But no, I'm, like I said to you in the email, I'm a big fan of your uh, YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And I thought oh, I'd love to get you on. And uh, even just the quality of the lighting in your sets and your videos, you have that little filament uh, light bulb. It just <laughs> it all just counteracts with each other. The lighting is just awesome, and also the extreme detail you put into the review of the of the synthesizers is just amazing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it was all it was all because of him. It was yeah. all because I was yeah. like, you know, he has like a concept. He's 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 not James. He's he you know he's the angry video game nerd. He's he's just like uh. A guy and um, the whole noir at Blancfi came from a trip I took in, in France. But you know, I, I, I didn't want to call it the angry synth nerd because that wasn't really what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like the cool, like almost the caricature of like the cool jazz guy who's like you know, but who's also like haunted by his love of, of synthesizers and stuff <laughs> imagine if you did have the angry synth guy people would probably just think oh this guy's just smashing up synths i want to watch that <laughs> who is that i guess that would be like simon the magpie but he's not really <laughs> nerd, <so>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's cool man so a bit the synthesizers then like um what was the first sort of synthesizer that you bought? Like, what was the first one that stood out, other than your mum's one? I was actually thinking exactly <laughs> yeah. the same question. Like, what was, the, what, what was the first one that really like, like you got like, you? Oh, freaking oh, I like this one. Or got you into the synth route? Mm, the first one I bought or the first one I thought about? Uh, it could be both, yeah. Like, yeah either, first or. One. either or, yeah. Mm, okay well which did, you, I, which, I did, def- which did which did you want and which could you afford yeah. <laughs> uh i could afford zero <laughs> and uh <laughs> i was because you know the weird thing was is like back then synthesizers were either the 90s like 2000s versions of synthesizers mm-hmm. or it was like it, it was like like none of the synthesizers really were out except like the andromeda and because the Andromeda was out, it was like, it was literally like this. It was like a, a Korg wave station or an Alesis Andromeda, right? Like it was like either a 90s like ROM, Rompler synthesizer mm-hmm. or like the most expensive analog synthesizer like ever. Like it, I think even the Alesis Andromeda wasn't that expensive then, but it was still 2000 plus dollars. Yeah, which is, really is a lot of money, money right? Even, you know? Yeah, I mean, I was like in, I'm like in high school. So I was like, okay. I don't even know 
uh, I can't afford these. So my mom bought me, I remember going to Guitar Center and she bought me the MS-2000B from Korg. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah. And, you know, no, okay. That's, no. Okay. The first synth I had before that, which was not really a synthesizer, was the Roland EM55. And that was one of those, you remember when they made kind of like the arranger synth? I mean, they still do, but like an arranger synthesizer with like the key, the, um, the um, you know, like you could have like, oh, this is like Samba and this is like. Yeah, yeah, presets. Uh, yeah, yeah, the preset, like mm-hmm. un- arrangers and then the little uh, speakers, you know, even yeah. though I thought the keyboard sounded great, that was the first synth I actually had was the Roland EM55. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't even know, probably goes for like a hundred bucks now on eBay because it's so. You know, it's just a mass-produced thing. You know, it has no like collector value or whatever. No, no not like some of the original Roland stuff. Like the... the first one I ever had, I can remember getting it and being so excited. It was when Paul Hardcastle did nineteen, the track nineteen. No, 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 nineteen. No, 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 nineteen. Yeah, yeah. And Casio bought out this tiny little keyboard that had the sampler on it that you could just <laughs> like push the button and put your voice in it. And nice. my parents bought me one of those, and I sat there in my bedroom for hours going. 19 no 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 19 <laughs> uh, i wish i still had it i'll be honest with you, i don't uh, and again i this wouldn't be worth any money but memory wise it'd be fantastic to have isn't it weird that like the things that may have inspired us the most like pushed us like we just like we forget them we lay them by the wayside mm-hmm. and get lost because we were like oh I, I have moved beyond that you know once i got the ms 2000b and then um uh, my mom which she she's the one who clearly financed everything musically uh she bought me a roland uh phantom x6 and um once i had like the x6 and the ms2000 i i think i liked i think i took the the 855 and like threw in the trash like i don't even remember where the hell that that thing went (laughs) um dang what did i do Wow, so so ungrateful. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds like though that your your mum was obviously a, a big influence or a big help the, and encouraged you to go down this journey. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, because she knew that I would never be uh, as good as her, so she could uh, she could be like, "Yeah, it's great, honey." <laughs> I mean, she you know she was like a concert classical pianist for her wow. whole life. Like she yeah, was yeah. one of the prodigy people. Where you know, if you sit her down at a piano now, she goes into that like weird sort of uh zen mode uh, yeah like it's it's it you don't even know and then she like comes out of it it's just that like she's been doing it forever that's amazing you know um it's cool man it's amazing and 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 also defeating (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i was gonna say i'm sure it's been an amazing influence on you over yeah she helped me um she helped me keep going if there's anything yeah um i guess moving on slightly but still talking about hardware um obviously you you review a lot of equipment uh, even just looking behind you there with sure your, your euro rack you've you've touched a lot of stuff if you were to think about a favorite piece could you even think of one that you would pick out as a favorite piece and if so why would that be your favorite piece of equipment it's pretty tough. Oh question. yeah. I mean, I try to keep the things that I that I leave hanging around here very like um, 
say low, you know, because I'm trying to make music. And so new stuff always sort of gets you out of your zone of being just purely about creation because you're, you're learning and learning while creating is kind of tough. So, I mean, I, I mean, the... I really like the Tempest. I really like the Dave Smith Instruments Tempest. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's because it's not my favorite synth of like all time, but it's probably my favorite piece of equipment being that like I can, I have like polyphonic synthesizer and I also have like a slapping drum machine, right? Mm -hmm. All in the same package. Um, And also the story of me learning it, I, I bought it for like two grand cash i remember i wanted it so bad i buy it and then literally uh, i i i couldn't use it the thing is so like user unfriendly out of the box <laughs> really and then yeah and i really I, I took it to my work right i took it to my office and i sat there and i, I it was like a saturday and i said i'm just gonna learn this i'm just gonna sit here and i'm gonna like learn it and then once i learned it everything clicked Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, the Tempest is. It, it's funny. You, you see, like people who buy the Tempest, and you'll immediately see it like on Craigslist, like three months later, like for four hundred dollars less. They just want to get rid of it. They're like, I can't believe I bought this because they can't figure it out. Just because it's, they can't, can't figure it out. Yeah. User friendly. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting, man. Yeah. I did see on one of your videos. Do you have the uh, the Moo grandmother as well? I do, I yeah. do. The, uh, I, I almost bought that. I stood in the shop playing with it for two hours one day, and I was like, "My <laughs> wife will kill me if I walk." <laughs> <laughs> no, the grandmother. The grandmother actually sits in front here. Right, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, Look at that. Cool. I I've loved what they did with it, bringing back a more vintage mm-hmm. uh, tone, a- and the price was like. Yeah, it's not bad, right. really, is it? You know, I think in Canada, I, I think it was twelve or thirteen hundred Canadian. I think it was in my local store for, which again isn't okay. really that bad, right? Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. You know, no, it, for what it, you uh, get, for what you get. Plus, uh, you know, I guess maybe sometimes the Euro rack uh, compatibility with all mm-hmm. the plugs is here, the modular capability. Um, but yeah, yeah, the grandmother is a very I kind of find it weird because it's it's a good price, yet at the same time, I'd still pick my old Sub-37 over it, hmm. even though I think the Mo Grandmother sounds more, uh, has more flavor, mm-hmm. if that makes Interesting. sense. You know? Yes, yeah. So, so what kind of like music genre do you mainly focus on? Because obviously you do a lot of reviews on your mm-hmm. equipment and things like that. What is the main... Um, yeah, have you got a main sort of genre that you mainly focus on? I would probably say that I, I'm influenced a lot by the progressive jazz electronic style of music. So mm. when I make music, I may not it may not sound like X person, but it's definitely influenced by um, the likes of the likes of like a Thundercat because I love his bass ability but Mm -hmm. he also has amazing melodic ability but then he also is a crazy jazz guy right yeah um and then also people like flying lotus like i really like flying lotus's work especially on um you know the you're dead album um 
And then aside from that, I probably think a lot about old records that I liked in the past from people like uh, Michael Jackson, even though I guess you're not allowed to like Michael Jackson anymore, but... <laughs> yeah. I liked him before I, I, I knew this stuff. Yeah, I think we're okay. We can go past that. <laughs> 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 with the um, with uh, um, because obviously you play a bit of jazz and things like that, and with the genre that you're doing, things like that. My question is, um, it's, the the sort of hardware that you've got is to make that sound for your thing. But for anyone in general that wants to get into sort of hardware, Euro Rack, what would be the best route for someone who's listening to this show? What would be the best route for them to start off first? And they want to go hardware? Yeah, just for hardware, you know. Okay, so I know this is not going to be popular, but I feel like over the last... So years and years ago, um, not years and years, it was a few years ago, I reviewed the Roland JDXI. Mm-hmm. And um, and weirdly, that's the only synthesizer I ever thought to myself was just like, oh, wow. Aside from the terrible menu system, this synthesizer has everything I could. Like, it's got literally... Uh, I mean, I feel like it has like 128 uh, voice digital synthesizer. Plus you have like, I believe it's like a two oscillator analog mono synthesizer Mm -hmm. inside of that. You have like the drum. I mean, it was, you know, if someone was going to start brand new and it was me, I would have the Roland JDXI. Like Mm -hmm. I would just be, uh, you know, uh, it's not like, it's not like sexy um, but yeah, I thought about that synth many times, like, you know, dang, there was a lot of value in that. And, and when you think about something like, um, cause people like to, they, the question I get the most, I swear is like the monologue or, uh, an arterial microbrew or the, um, or they'll say like, oh, the base station or like, and it's so weird to me. Cause I'm like, you're picking one, one sound, you're picking a, a mono analog sound and you're you're having this much time like your your songs are going to be built upon samples maybe or piano sounds or uh, drum sounds like there's a lot going in here and it's just like that one thing like i'm buying my first synthesizer which one the one with the one sound i'm like uh i would much rather pick a jdxi i I gotta put my hand up i I bought the bass station (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See? I think I, <laughs> awkward. <laughs> Do they have the base station? Is is like a weird one where I've never, I've never, I've never touched a base station. Really interesting. No. Craig did for two hours and bought it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that it was the day I was playing with the grandmother, and I was like, yeah, yeah. Hey, the grandmother's this, and then I st- stood there playing with the base station. I was like, well, for me, I'm not, I'm not a producer at all. At all, sure. I'm more of a DJ, right? And okay, I just cool. and I just bought a couple of toys to play with. Brad's more of the producer of uh, the two of us. Um, so I've got an MPC live, oh, okay, and, I, okay. and I got the bass station, and I got my little uh, MPK keyboard to go with the uh, with the MPC. And for me, while I was stood there, I was like, price wise, it's not too bad. And it, it makes all my little acidy, squelchy now noises that I like, and it's in my budget. And 
I don't do that much. So it was good enough for me. You know, like I said, yeah, yeah. I'm not the, I'm not a producer. So yeah. I'm just a guy that's playing with some toys and it was kind of price rise. Yeah. It's okay. Six, six, yeah. 700 Canadian. I'll buy this, but I, I totally get what you're saying. It does only do certain sounds, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not the versatile unit that some others are for sure. Yeah. You've yeah. also got the Roland MC throw three, which is a cool. Yes. Yeah, so I've got know. an old retro Roland. Oh, nice. I've got, it's in the, the three Oh three groove box. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I've always thought like people, I know people are like running after the new like synth, like every week there's a new one now, you for know, sure. it's, it's oh, yeah. kind of like, I'm not saying it's annoying. I mean, it's great for the for the consumer. But that being said, um, something like a Roland MC303, something older, I've always been like, man, you, you want to create a unique sound? Go back. Yes. You know? Yeah, man, totally yeah, yeah. agree. For sure. Totally agree. I totally agree, yeah. Yeah, that's like they're making all the boutiques, aren't they, of the, the, the Roland gear yeah. and stuff, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Be- Behringer, actually, me and Brad. Oh, Behringer, yeah. We, we talk quite a lot about Behringer, <laughs> yeah. because look at what they're doing right now, though. They are just coming out with Ooh. cheap products, right? Yeah. They're cheap, yeah. and they feel cheap, mm-hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm. But they do make some okay noises, and they're in a price range that a lot of people starting out could just go and buy some stuff for a few hundred bucks, and before you know it, you've got yeah. units that you can make some tracks with. Behringer is weird. Behringer is Behringer is like, <laughs> I, I it's weird. I I made one video about Behringer um, mm-hmm. just because I had stated some things about a piece that I had not touched, mm-hmm. and I believed that because I had put that out, I needed to revisit it. So I revisited it and I changed my opinion based on holding it in my hands and, uh, you know, a, a subjective opinion from a user instead of a subjective opinion from an opinionated guy who already decided what I was going to feel. And mm-hmm. that video, the most hate I ever received. And, and months <laughs> after that. Yeah, it's my most watched video. The Behringer video where all I stay, I literally made the video in like 20 minutes. And all I state is, you know what? I was wrong. I made a, a lot of things sound like facts, and they weren't. So I apologize, and here's what I really feel. That video... So after that video, I decided to never make a video about Behringer's <laughs> I don't want to, like... I can't do that. I, I literally cannot do that. Like, literally, people come in there and be like, well, <sighs> Behringer has killed thousands of children in the world i'm just like well i i just bought the instrument man i don't know <laughs> yeah. and then someone else is like no Berger has saved a thousand babies from buying expensive moog since from, the, <laughs> from the, the fascists and i'm just like you know what yeah i'm out i'm out yeah, i'm out i'm out for good we're we're good <laughs> so but but did your opinion go from negative to positive like when you actually used it did were you more positive about actually the unit itself Yes, and w- yes. And which unit was it? Which one did you actually try out? Because I didn't see the, the Model D, which I think Model was D. like it. the most, I felt like that one was the most polarizing because it was their first like, hey, it, it's a model, like we're building it based on a previously created synthesizer, the yeah. Moog Model D, one of the most famous synthesizers ever, right? Mm-hmm. And my whole thing was, is that people are, people were sitting there at some point, other channels were sitting there with like oscilloscopes hooked up to both playing like the notes and like watching the way. tiny fluctuations in the waveform and being like, see, it's not the same. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm sitting to myself 
as like a listener, like a true listener, right? Where it's like the the consumer, the person who's listening to your music. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not talking about musicians. I'm talking about just pure music listening yes. audience. Yeah, they don't give a rat's ass. They don't they, know. They can't hear that. They can't hear anything. They, they hear don't that. know. The they same reason know. is why the normal person watching a movie never never thinks in their mind. I wonder what camera they shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what, what lighting are they using? Is that yeah. a soft, is that a soft box? Do they have some yeah. reflectors in there? Is that a, you know like no? Is the film any good or not? Right. Basically. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it's about. Does the yeah. does the plot make sense? Are the characters believable? Just like a just like a piece of music, is the melody enjoyable? And does the theme fit my emotional place right now? And 100%. Yes or no. Yes, and people it's get easy. so wild with this stuff. Like, right. I mean, I love synthesizer, but I'm a musician and I'm enjoying the pieces. But I also know the practical, like, yeah. reasons. Uh, of this well, yeah, the reality. What I right? say to yes. people is, it doesn't matter what hardware you use, man. As long as you make the sound that you enjoy and you can do your thing, then do your thing, man. Like, I'll be honest, yeah. I watched your video on the Volker keys, and that's what made me buy it. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I. I uh, and you know what's funny? The those videos, the Volca keys. I, I actually got some some flack recently, where somebody was like, "You don't play the keys enough in the video." And I was just like, "You know, he's kind of right, but also, I'm trying to give a perspective of the person who would buy the Volca keys yeah, yeah. less than, you know, because I'll be honest, there's so much more to a piece of equipment than the sound, and that." Yeah was so true to me when it was about the Dave Smith Tempest. I heard all these people making these slapping bay beats. And I'm like, yo, this is, this is this lit. This is going to be lit. And I get it. And I'm like, what the? <laughs> How am I supposed to use this freaking thing? And I, and then I'm sitting there thinking like, I've been, I've been like, you know, hoodwinked. Like I've been like, you know, sold a bill of goods. Because it's not good. But then then that's the thing. I'm like, I'm trying to like be like, I'm trying to give a perspective of who would buy it and would it be good? Because making sounds and playing demos is simple in in a sense, right? Pull up a preset, push some keys. Someone says it sounds good. They go and buy it. But that's not the whole picture or the story. So No, I mean, I play live. And like you say, it isn't just the sounds. It's the usability. It's the the, the fact, if it's... transportable piece of equipment when you mm-hmm. do go and play live. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, there's more, loads, loads more fundamentals to it. I noticed yeah. though that you are uh, on your Instagram, it says you're a sequential circuits artist. Yes. So is that you're sponsored by them or you are just an ambassador to them or you? I am, I guess you could call it an ambassador. Um, meaning like I have a very good relationship with sequential. So like, it happened a few years ago, um, and yeah, Dave Smith started to like. I started to weirdly. I started to be like entangled in the company, where I would be going to their events, and like I went to like the fiftieth anniversary for the Profit Five, and um, cool. you know, eventually, you know, they did like the write up, and um, you know, you can put into this program where you i feel like when i say being sponsored it's like they give me stuff no but they will give me a discount let's that's cool yeah i mean i mean whether or they do for free or not i mean the fact that you know you're 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 
they're supporting you in that sort of way is yeah. really cool. Unfortunately, I've never called it up because even with the discount, still poor. So, <laughs> I think most yeah, musicians if, are. Poor. If Dave Smith's name is attached to it, it's got some dollars attached to it too, right? Yeah, <laughs> I wish I would have been this before I bought my Profit Six and uh, and max out my guitars and a credit card. <laughs> it, it also it also shows though that the hard work that you put into your channel and everything has you know sort of reaped some benefits and had you shown. And that's a good yeah kind of hard I, I'll work. be honest. It it I I realized something big when I um, started the channel is that I had been a musician and a producer for years, right? And the thing that I was never good at was being out there mm-hmm. and being personable with people. And the the funny thing is, I've realized is that what matters more than anything is relationships. The reason why I became like a sequential artist was because I had a relationship with the artist relations person at Dave Smith before it was sequential, right? His mm-hmm. name was uh, Justin, right? I was like cool with him. And then everywhere I go, we would talk. And then it's like slowly we became actual friends where like mm-hmm. when we email, it's not just like, hey, give me money or hey, can I have free synthesizers? It's like <laughs> we talk about the Tempest because it's going out, uh, going out of production, you know, things yeah. like that. And um, the same with people at Mo. I only have relationships with, I have a relationship with a lot of companies, even though it doesn't seem like it. Mm. But the only reason I do is because I'm friendly with the people. Like I actually enjoy being friends with them. Whereas before, I was like this snotty ass freaking artist where I was just like, ah, I'm the best. I've been playing forever. I don't need none of this. Like I, and then I would go home and make the best music ever, but then I would be at home and no one sees you when you're at home. No, right? man, so, again, it's like you're doing more damage to yourself, but the fact yes. that, uh, you know, you're doing more damage to your image and your actual music, but the fact that, you know, you show that you're passionate has huge respect to me. That's why I should come on the show because I find a lot of people now all about, I mean, I'm crap on social media. I am. Oh, yeah, a lot yeah, of people yeah. are, look at me, look at me, look at me. But then you look at some of the people like we've had the, our last guests and yourself, they're, they're really into the fine grittiness and the, and they put the effort and the time in to really enjoy that style of music. Right. And, and I can respect that totally. And that's why I got you on the show. That's a huge. Oh, yeah. Thank you. you. I, I really do feel like, um, you know, with every artist that probably gets anywhere, um, you know, it's either like flash in the pan, right? Because maybe there wasn't any substance there or, and I felt like this, this is a weird thing. I am in and out of YouTube and the social media world. I'm here and then I'm gone for like five months because I'm doing something else, right? Mm -hmm. But weirdly, every time I come back, I still retain similar viewership and the same people that were there before come back and they they enjoy stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas a lot of other people you know, they have to, they, they're, they're constantly like putting out videos and they're, and they're kind of like their viewership and the things like Wayne's, it's like they put out a video one week and it's like, it gets 20,000 views or something. And then the next week they put out a video and it gets like 5,000. Right. And it's nothing against them. It's just, you're putting out things all the time, but you're hitting, you know, randoms. It's like right? quantity, but not quality. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I never wanted to, I always wanted to be tr- proud of what I did. Um, even though I've made plenty of mistakes throughout my YouTube, like, wow, my life. Um, but 
I just felt like every video you put out, the last video is literally, it, it's, a, it's a, people are going to watch that. That's the thing they're going to say. And they have to make a judgment based on that video of like, oh, do I want to go further or am I stopping? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're and, only uh, as good as your last job is what you're trying to say, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah good job. So the sequential circuits, I, I, the, the first sort of synth that really got me was um, Vince Clark and Yazoo, Don't Go. And you played the mm. profit one, but when you played the the main uh, court, like the main sort of melody, that yeah, yeah, you see him standing there in the music video for "Don't Go," and he's just got this like curtain coming down here like that. <laughs> yeah. He's playing with one hand, going, and it's wicked. And I thought, I love that because the eighties is, is is great for the electronic sort of scene, right? The the synthesizer. I was going to say it was the era of the synthesizer, oh, yeah. really, wasn't it? It was cool. Yeah, yeah that, that that era is so weird because um. I wonder about that time where the synth was, you know, kind of like a, when a, the Buggles had like video killed the radio star and mm-hmm. like everything is like a synthesizer, you know, um, in the eighties, the, the time that I really liked, because I'm a, I'm a big fan of Madonna and I love, uh, uh, like I, uh, what's his name? Um, played guitar on all on like so much of her stuff he was the guy from chic hmm. oh my goodness i'm blanking on his name yeah i can't think of his name either um anyway so much of the music is just it's a synthesizer like lucky star from madonna from the 80s i love that song um and i keep thinking i wonder if in that time there were people being like which synth is this as much as today where mm-hmm. it feels like people are, are and, and I'll be honest, I like music where I don't know what the heck somebody used. Mm-hmm. And I want to be blown away by being like, I, like I, and, and this may sound kind of uh, old and antiquated, but um, if you guys remember Skrillex mm-hmm. uh, from a few, I don't know, I guess not a few. It was a long time ago now, but it feels like a few years ago when he released like his albums with like Equinox and all that stuff. And you're hearing all this wild sounds Yet it's like still retaining that insane like melody. Um, that's the kind of stuff I liked. Where I'm like, I don't know what the heck he used, but, but good. this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. And I think I, I honestly think back in the '80s, if we went back to that era again, I don't think many people really cared. Like you said, I think it was just yeah. like, wow, this is new. Yeah. This sounds yeah. amazing. I don't care what it is, but whatever it is they're using, that sounds fucking great. The, the synth yeah. was kind of new. Yes, right. In a way, right? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't like alive to really hear the, you know, people care, but, you know, uh, it was like Moog. And then it was the like, it was like the era of anything mm-hmm. where kind of the first electric car is like, it's weird and it's esoteric and no one understands why. And everyone's saying it's, this is ridiculous. It's like the Moog Model D where it's like all people doing like classical pieces. And then it's like wild s- space music. And yeah. then 2001, a space odyssey. Oh, uh, and then finally it comes into the, the Vogue and then it fades away. And, mm-hmm. you know, it evolves from there, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I was born in 89 in December, so I'm claiming that I am an 80s baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit older. I was born in '73, so I do remember some of the stuff as it was happening. <laughs> See, I wish I could. I wish I could remember it because there's so much music from then that I like. I would love to have been able to see Prince. 
I mean, I saw him when he was living uh, here at the forum. Thank goodness. But I would have loved to see him when he was like back in in his heyday doing like Little Red Corbett. If I could have seen that. Oh, my goodness. Raspberry Beret for me. That track, just every time I listen to it, sends little tingles up my spine. (laughs) Right? It's such a weird track. I almost feel like it's out of tune with itself. Yes, but it's amazing. It's Yeah, right? Yes. If if I'm going to put Prince on every time, I actually, my wife is a very big fan of Prince. Um, All right. Way more so than me. And Okay. um, that's our little go-to track. If I'm like, you know, trying to cheer her up, she's I'll, throw, I'll throw on uh, Raspberry Beret for sure. If she's nervous, with you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? This is interesting. I, I would like to know, now I'm thinking about it, the synth that plays, it's kind of like the me- the main melody. It's like that. Yeah. And I can hear it. I can hear the sound, but I'm like, what the hell is that? What is that? It sounds like a synth violin, weirdly. Uh, I'm gonna okay. To, I'm gonna have to Google it once we finish the interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna geek out on that one yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, actually, as well, we were kind of looking on your page, and we noticed uh, you're the founder of M&M or MM. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What it's about, uh, and why, and what got you to start that? What's it all so, about? So, yeah, M&M is Modulate Multimedia. So I started that. After I had uh, after I had the channel for quite a while, and um, it's kind of not been in hasn't been happening since coronavirus. But basically, Modulate Multimedia was a company where I took other companies that had been interested in the I guess the online space for content, and I would take their products. And it, it all started because uh, Pittsburgh Modular. They hired me. Yeah, I guess it started with them. They were like, "Hey, like we want, we like what you did in some stuff, but we just want you to do it for us and like have nobody know that you did it, right?" Not because they didn't want; they just they needed someone to do product based content, and so I did some work for them. um, And this was around the time when they were releasing. um, I forget what it was, but it was it was a, a certain piece. And then from there, I started to work with other companies, um, which New Neighbor, who makes uh, guitar pedals. I did a bunch of work for New Neighbor. And um, it just became a company on the side where I could make the videos. Nobody would know it was me, but it all stemmed from being, I I felt like I, I was pretty good at making YouTube videos about products. And companies saw that and they're just like, oh, like literally I got reached out to all the time by companies. And I was like, I don't have time. I'm not going to do this. And then I was just like, you know what? I need money. So (laughs) I can do this. And Modulate Multimedia is what MM is. I just, there's not enough room to put it there. Um, And yeah, it's just a side, it's a, it's been a side business where um, I help companies do the video, that's, the photography, awesome. and whatever. That's it's cool. something that basically came out of what you were doing with YouTube and turned into another little side business. That's amazing, really, you know? Yeah, I, I didn't think it was going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, it, 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 and it came very organically. I wasn't looking for the work. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. just companies would find me, they'd DM me. And, uh, you know, it was it, it's hard. I'll be honest, that's like the hardest part is – 
because I'm not like a money person. I mean, I am a money person, but I hate talking money. I hate talking money mm. uh, with companies and things like that, um, which is usually why I don't, well, it's hard, why I hardly ever do uh, spot, like reviewed videos. I hate, I just can't do it. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just like, let me just make the video, but I can do it better with companies when they're like, yes, we want a video showcasing a product. You are not the name or the face, you are just the producer of this mm-hmm. and they put it out and no one ever knows. And yeah, you know. that's awesome. That's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's real good. I see you, uh, I've seen your page as well. You played in Germany with, uh, with a oh, yeah, band yeah. and that, that like a bit of a, you were playing the keyboard or some synth and then you had a bit of a saxophone in there. Is that to do with the, the whole sort of genre that you're going for? Is that what, yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of uh, of playing live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I like I like good players. Like, I just do. I like people who um, there's like something about the live, either trio or you know maybe the four piece or whatever. Um, I just like the the kind of ability to have a live performance with people who are bringing to the music in the moment, right? I think that gets so lost. I wish there was a community. You know, people play games online, mm-hmm. right? But, like, where's the community for people making music online? Like, where's the, like, hookup for, like, three guys to be like, hey, everybody sync up? And I know people are going to say latency, right? Mm-hmm. But if they can fix latency in Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, whatever, they can 100%. fix the latency with music. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I just feel like we've gone away from people just make music alone now for the most part. And, I, sure, and yeah. I know that I struggle with that um, because I'm like, you know, I know people, it's weird, but people like will be like, dude, your YouTube channel and like, yo, like that must be like such a dope job to like just make videos all day. And like, that's so dope. And I'm just like, it's sitting in a house in front of a computer screen. It's basically an office job, except I don't get to see anyone. The only difference is you're probably filling out an Excel sheet and I'm playing with a musical instrument. But don't don't think that those are as far apart as you think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's that's, a job, right? That's, that's, kind of why, yeah. that's kind of why we started this podcast. I mean, I produce and obviously create DJs and stuff like that as well. And um, but again, like, like you say, with COVID being in, you're in your bedroom, which mm-hmm, even more so. Mm-hmm. And obviously making these podcasts, you think, oh, actually I can meet some more, more people, interesting people yeah. and find out their journeys and what they're all about. And, and again, we, and we just love talking about it. We just love talking. We just, we just, just love like geeking out yeah, and talking about no, yeah. you know, This is fun for me because I, I honestly, you know, I, 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 I crave like the, the musical and not just that, just the, the personal connection. That's for just sure. right now. It's a bit, um, it's a bit hazardous. In a way, y'all in Canada are a bit more safe. It didn't affect us as much. And, and no. again, where we are in BC, just outside Vancouver, yeah. we had the least amount of problems with COVID. Oh, we've been very, we've been very lucky. Was really you know? um, and again, we look at all the figures. So, yeah, it, it, it is a bit of a weird situation for sure. Um, but again, I think going back to exactly what you said earlier, and 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 again, what you just said now, it really is all about relationships. Everything. Yeah. I, I've tried. My, my I have a fourteen-year-old daughter. I've drummed oh, wow. this. In, I've drummed this into her head for years. 
This whole mm-hmm. life that we live is about relationships. Everything yes. you do yeah. is about a relationship. Even if it's going and getting your cup of coffee from Starbucks mm-hmm. every day and you see the same lady every day and you have a smile and you have a chat, that's a relationship right there. Everything mm-hmm. we do. And it's the most important part of life. I truly believe Yeah, And a lot yeah. of the time it yeah. doesn't even take much effort. Really, it doesn't does take it? any effort. Just being yeah. generally you know, cool. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I actually, easy. this was a, an interesting quote that I heard, which absolutely like blew my mind when I heard it was that, um, you know, rich people don't send their kids to Harvard because Harvard's a good college. It's rich people send their kids to Harvard because Bill Gates' kids go to Harvard. hundred percent. Steve Jobs' kids go to, went to mm-hmm. Harvard. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's 100%. all about, oh, don't worry. I mean, yes, make, do whatever you can, but it's be meet friends who, with. Yes. Meet who you can, you know, meet those people, yeah. get friendly, get friendly with those people. Yeah. They're the people you want to be friends with for sure. That's cool, man. Yeah. So I've got a quick question about your modular and Eurorack stuff. Because obviously I'm quite new to the Eurorack. I'm looking to get into it as well. And also to be good for other people that are listening to obviously go down this route as well. Where would you start with Eurorack? Because there's so many components you can buy. There's so many. uh, When I look at it, there's filters, there's VCOs, there's this, there's that, there's sequences. And, you know, what... Uh, instead of buying just one brand, what what sets out other brands to put this Euro rack together? Oh, and I guess almost even what bits, if you only had a certain budget and you needed to get yeah, Euro yeah. rack going, which would be the first ones that you might grab? Well, I would say don't start where I started because when you do, you end up rebuying everything, right? Um, so I always think that the first place is probably a semi-modular piece. So uh, what would be a standalone synth in its own right, yet it's Eurorack compatible. So I always say the SE1 is my go-to because the first ones I had were the Mother 32. But the problem was the Mother 32 doesn't scale with Eurorack the same way mm. as normal Eurorack. So eventually I got rid of the Mother 32 and uh, I still have the SV1 from Pittsburgh Modular, which I, I saw that they have like an SV1B coming out. Okay. So as a, I would I will probably buy an SV1B to replace this SV1 yeah. because um, you know I just think I think since it's easier to understand a synthesizer, I think going with a standalone is the place to start so that it's already broken apart now. Like you can make a sound without patching anything. But yep. then you can start patching so that you know, oh, this is broken and I can I can insert something here. Yep. And you can get some sound out of the end. Um, but I always think start with a bigger case because when I started, I had a smaller case. And I had then that case was like $400 back then. And so that ended up I had to rebuy a case. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, and then and I always think power supply and case together. Don't buy a case and then a separate power supply because, you know, usually you're not sure how many modules you're going to have. But usually the manufacturers of the case who put the power supply in, they Mm -hmm. think about the amount of size you have and the amount of power draw that is possible. So uh, that those would be my two starting points is buy a case bigger than you think, except Mm -hmm. that's going to screw you up because the whole Eurac thing in the mind is like filling the case. (laughs) There's something that screws you up. So uh, not too big. And then also buying the semi-modular as the first piece 
Um, but then there's so many things that you that I bought that I would not buy again that are still here, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, because I just wanted to fill space. Like I have a, this like tip top fold processor, yeah. um, which is like, I don't even know. I mean, I know what it does, but there's nothing plugged into it for a reason and nothing almost ever is plugged into it. Just to fit again. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was like, it was like a, a 120 bucks on Amazon. There it is. I, I put it in here. I would, I would take it out if I could. And, um, I would say almost everything. Eh, there's some stuff. <sighs> it's weird. It seems big, mm-hmm. but when I look at it, I'm like, oh man, there's so much stuff. That, there's some big ones out there. Yeah. yeah. Like the KB one is so like, I love that, but man, that is big. And that's <laughs> like a lot. Cause I see you went down. I don't know where that's exactly was, but you went to like some sort of conventions where there is, I don't know if it was like nightlife electronics or whatever and pittsburgh mm-hmm. obviously were there but they use at some shows where you can actually test that equipment and stuff like that so when you buy stuff do you buy it and try it or do you go to these events to try out them before you buy it? you know we have a great store here called perfect circuit um and perfect circuit here is very very good at having modules and i mean i feel like they almost have every module that they have for sale Mm-hmm. In a in like maybe like four racks, they have like four giant like racks around the store, so you can play almost anyone you want. And I feel like for me, that's a bit of a better environment um, because it's kind of a store, and so you just put the headphones on and just sort of you know head down and go. Conventions are tough because the person wants to like talk to you or there's only one version and like people are like walking by the booth so they want to use it um i honestly only i bought some of these sight unseen so um like oh like the two that i heard that sounded great there's a uh, there's tip top audio 808 modules mm-hmm. that i have the bass drum 808 and the snare drum 808 right those modules I heard, and they sounded amazing when I played them at Perfect Circuit. Um, and but to, but then there's other modules with other issues that you don't know about until you kind of get to your own setup, which is the yeah. problem. Yeah. So I have a Pittsburgh modular system interface, which is basically just a mixer. Yep. I've had a lot of, um, I guess, shielding issues with that module. So a lot of like noise floor interference, interference stuff. Interference, yeah. And that that is like like who cares how it sounds if you're hearing like a a, a buzz. You know how musicians are. Mm-hmm. You hearing that buzz? It's low, mm-hmm. but it's like louder than the sound in a way, right? So um, it's weird. It, it, once you get into your own system, everything kind of changes. Um, yeah, the data module. That's like. That's a really good module. I would say anyone who buys a modular could buy a data module and you have a lot of stuff there. It's a digital module, but like, I mean, I'm not a purist of analog or anything. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess as well, since we're talking about hardware, we haven't even touched on what, what do you use for software? Like when you're doing your recordings and stuff, what's your go-to software? 
Okay, so I uh, was a Cubase original person. I loved Cubase. We were just talking about Cubase yesterday, actually, because they just, Cubase has kind of like redone one, haven't they? And Did they? Cubase? I think so, yeah. Mm, I, oh, so, I yeah. need to look now. I, I'm mm. on um, 10 or something. Um, but Cubase was my first software. And then somehow I got converted, um, probably because reason if you guys remember maybe at some point reason and Cubase were very like hand in hand because of the rewire capability. Right. And then eventually reason released that like record software, which was terrible standalone. Then they came back together and they made reason again, but now it was also with the record capabilities for audio and stuff. So I got converted to reason and then reason just became so awful like for me like um bogged down with like it, it just seemed like bad um bad optimization or something right mm-hmm. that i i went back to cubase and i realized i was like man you know i really do like cubase um uh i, I i've uh except the guitar amp i don't like the guitar amp <laughs> but aside from that i i feel like cubase you don't even need really like any plugins that you buy on your own. I mean, I still buy plugins, but Cubase now is so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I use Reason. I mean, but they keep bringing up up. Uh, they keep bringing up different updates every time. I'm like, I'm not going to spend so much money just to keep updating it when the current version does pretty much what yeah, the new version reason, does. Reason it was weird, and maybe it was me. Maybe it's my computer or or something, right? Mm-hmm. But like. I went from like reason like seven to like eight. And there was just this one point where I upgraded and it was just like, I'm like trying to like move the mouse and everything is just so sluggish. And I was just like, whoa, like I didn't do anything like differently. And mm-hmm. Cubase still works like a charm. And it's yeah. weird. Cause I'm just like, and I think maybe they were going through, if you remember, like they were trying to add the VST yeah into it yeah yeah, and like the the thing was is why did reason was always so great because they were doing their own thing they were they were having their own fun um they weren't trying to be like hey have the plug-in windows everywhere um and then they just i guess they decided you know Let's play. Let's play like everybody else. I guess yeah. I learned on version four, and I've just stuck with it. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really old okay. version. Version four definitely. I version four is probably the best one to be. Uh, version four is the best one because version four is when they had Thor. Yeah, Thor Simp just come out. Yeah, but it's just it was basic back then. It was just like you've got it in front of you. You do what you do. And then, like you say, the VST plugin size was a bit. Yeah, <laughs> reason four uh, is the best version. Yeah, it was good, man. I like six as well, but I use like I say, I rewired the because uh, I use Logic as well in some mm-hmm. things. You know, Logic's pretty cool, and then I use the rewire for that. That's not too bad. Logic, cool. I remember using Logic uh, years ago, and I always felt like Logic was so, um, um, like, way ahead of its time in terms of like the amount of features and plugins mm. and stuff that you got back then. I remember just, and also I think um, the MIDI role, like the key role and all that stuff in Logic was just just so killer back then. I could just have fun um, making making great like electronic songs in that. It was just way more intuitive. Cubase is not, I don't like the piano roll as much in Cubase. I loved the piano roll in Logic. 
Love mm-hmm. him. Yeah, because a lot of people use Ableton, don't they, as well? Yeah. yeah. People love Ableton. Ableton right now. They do, yeah. I actually do have Ableton on my MacBook. Um, I don't I don't use it. I also have because the, the MPC comes with their kind of little software too. But with the MPC, I don't even need the software. It's got the door built in. So I don't yeah, yeah, mess yeah. around with my laptop when I'm mm-hmm. making my little loops. But uh, But yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people do use the Ableton. They sure. do, yeah, they do use Ableton. Um, thinking about the future, since we've been chatting for a while, what uh, do you have any new equipment reviews coming up or production plans yourself? Like, what have you got sort of future plans coming up? Mm, so I have one video coming out Tuesday, which is coming out next week. Uh, it is for, well, I guess it's not a review, but... It is the, what the heck is this thing called? The subharmonicon. Yeah, so I did a video maybe a month ago about the, I just played a piece with the subharmonicon and Mm -hmm. people were really asking me like, how did you play the chords on the keyboard with the subharmonicon? Like it's like one synth, like how did you play chords and stuff? So I made a video about kind of my way of thinking about harmony Mm-hmm. on the subharmonicon because technically you could make a six voice chord on subharmonicon so i okay. showed how to do that hmm. um which i don't like to do i'll be honest i don't like to do tutorial videos but i said you know what when in when in rome <laughs> make something for the people who probably i think people may benefit from it so i i can i can do something like that. i th- um, i honestly think a lot of people do like watching tutorials because there's a lot of us out there that need the tutorial (laughs) i watch watch tutorials like i always tell people i don't learn from learning i learn from loopop i watch loopop video yeah yeah i've got the dfam that's that's a cool little kit man the dfam DFAM is so interesting i i I want i i feel like i need uh to get all three together because i've never owned them at the same time um and now they have three of the like range, you know, yeah. from the mother 32 to the DFAM to the subharmonicon. Um, I feel like you could really do something cool. They made the, the melodic, uh, monophonic mothers. They've got the drums with the DFAM and now they got the harmony. You could do something interesting. I, I, I have yet to see someone do that. Um, in terms of actual reviews, like making fun reviews, uh, the next synth is, because I don't do like super new ones is uh, the Kai Tomcat. Oh. Um, it's uh, so if you guys remember, like the Akai Rhythm Wolf was like a, a drum machine about uh, maybe like maybe like not ten years ago, maybe like seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. They came out and they were like very like not popular, um, but the Akai Tomcat was always one where I I just was like okay like. It's, it, it, it's just, it always had my, my brain wanting to have it and, and mess with it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it came out the same time as um, there was this video where this guy named Akai Dan was playing like um, basically an Akai synth and it was so bad. He was play he was like a product uh, specialist and he's like playing it and someone's videoing him and it's the worst like synthesizer demo ever. <laughs> You can like probably type in worst synth demo and it'll pop up. Hi, <laughs> Dan. And it's literally like, it's the worst. So yeah, Akai Tomcat is a drum machine. Um, yeah, since I haven't made a, um, 
a like a one minute synth review in uh, months. This was fun. This is going to be fun because I, I know I don't know. I have to be like having a good time. Mm-hmm, this whole yeah. thing, right? And I know a lot of people, a lot of YouTubers are different. They, um, they're really like focused on like the new synth. That's how you get the views. You, you got to do the new synth within like a couple days of its release. And like, you got to like, and I don't really like to do that. So uh, I, I'd have more money and I'd have more subscribers, but um, I kind of have to have like a personal interest and investment in the piece. Yeah, so. I think that's the only way you're going to get the best out of the piece as well, right? And people can hear the best out of that piece. Yeah. And also, I mean, when was old bad? Like, so in my mind, I always think like, I, I kind of came up watching the Angry Video Game Nerd. He wasn't reviewing the PS3 game that was out at the time, which is what would have been happening, right? He was reviewing a game 20 years old because mm-hmm. it interested him. Yeah. So yeah. my thing is, you know, there may be a synth that's a couple years old that I always thought about. I mean, For I'm sure. totally, I'd rather be interested in that than something uh, you know, that I'm not. I, I think it comes across in anything you do, any kind of art, be it videos, music production or actually art itself if you truly have the passion for it be it whatever it is that comes across in what you're doing so if obviously you're interested in that older piece of equipment you're going to do a way better video about it than something that's just come out and it's just new and you're just trying to do a video to get the video out there because that's what you should do because it's a new piece of equipment you know what i mean yeah which i did and i swore to never do that again which was uh the profit rev 2 like I loved that. I loved the synth, but that video swore me off of making um, reviews about complicated synthesizers with like mm-hmm. deep uh, menu system and stuff, because it's just like, you can never cover, Everything. like, I don't make videos yeah. like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So you end up being like, you, you end up doing a disservice because there's people who buy that synth who want to know about the layers and they want to know about this. And it's like, I'm going to make like a 15 minute like review. I'm going to try to make it entertaining. I'm not going to be like, you know, I can't do all that people want sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're never going to please everyone, but there's always people out there, including myself that would just be like, fucking, this is a cool video, man. Yeah. What about uh, production plans? You got any tracks coming up that you're working on or any stuff you're doing with anyone else? Any collaborations? Uh, yeah. You know, I really want to, keep making music for the YouTube audio library. I've been doing a lot of that. Um, and I guess it's only like creators really know about the YouTube audio library, but mm-hmm. I've been stuck doing that for like, and I, I, I say stuck as if I hate to do it. It's not that I hate to do it. It's just um, every time I sit and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to need to put out a few, like a few solid like pieces of work onto Spotify and things like that. I get like a message from the people at, google and they're like hey would you like to like make music for the audio library and let's just google is definitely more uh financially they're they're better at paying mm-hmm. than me getting um spotify views or spotify mm-hmm. uh, listens on a on a playlist right yeah so you, you know i end up being like you know there is this balance so i've honestly been stuck in the making music for creators space for like two years now um, but I'm trying, I'm trying to not do that. Um, uh, uh, other than that, I mean, I want to put out, I want to put out at least two pieces of work before the end of 2020. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so if no YouTube audio library happens, because I just finished one, um, like one group of music for them, if they don't hit me back, then I will finish. If they do hit me back for more music, then I have to eat. So yeah, I'll be doing that and not making my own music. <laughs> Eat, eating's good for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you got to put some food in the fridge, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, Noir, it's been a pleasure it's having you on the show, buddy. Man. I really enjoyed the chat. Um, and I'm lo- I look forward to watching more of your videos and maybe hearing some of your productions when they come out. Like I said, we really appreciate you coming on board, buddy. Yeah, you guys are, uh, you guys are very, uh, on top of like the questions and uh, actually, uh, you know, being good at this. We try to be a bit productive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean, you know, I've, I've done these uh, from time to time. And, uh, yeah, this is uh, – you, you guys have a good uh, chemistry as well. Oh, thanks, oh, thank man. We, we really appreciate that. We're, appreciate we're very new to the whole podcast game, but we're, we're very much committed to it and we enjoy it. I it's love fun. This is fun. Like, I'll be honest with you. Me and Brad have talked about it a couple of times. Me personally – I don't. I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I really enjoy doing it. I like again. It's like we said, relationships. Just, just right now, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. We, we we just you're in LA. We're here in Vancouver, and we just sat down and had a really nice chat together about music, right? Which we all love, right? And you know, I'm going to come to Vancouver. Oh, fine. I got to make my way up there, guys. Yes, mate. Exactly, and you're going to message us and say, yeah, "Hey, you, doing a beer? You come on over, buddy. Exactly. Yes, mate. You'll love it here. I'll take you out on the lake." okay awesome right on buddy again it really has been a pleasure thank you very much yeah guys thanks